common grace today? What are the undeserved blessings that God gives to all people, both believers and unbelievers? How many of you need an outline still? Do you have an out? Everybody, you need an outline back here, Joyce, and whoever's behind Joyce. Do we have some extras, uh, Clyde? Yeah. Keep your hand in the air till Clyde gets around to you, and there'll be one. Uh, introduction. Here's the situation. When did we pray? Now, I'm going to pray again. Lord, thank you for uh, all this uh, information and announcements and things going on and the Truth Project and the missionaries in Morocco and this uh, couple that came for prayer for their grandson and um, so many things going on. Now, Lord, thank you for this class and this opportunity to look at your word. Guide us as we look at it together, we pray. Amen. Okay, a different topic from what we've been studying and it, it has to do with this question. Um, before, before there was sin in the world, there was all sorts of blessing. Then Adam and Eve sinned. And when Adam and Eve sinned, they became uh, uh, liable to, worthy of death and liable to eternal punishment and the wrath of God. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. In fact, God had said to Adam and Eve regarding the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. But they didn't die immediately. They, they were cut off from the presence of God, but not completely because he was still talking with them. And they began to grow old and their bodies began to decay and die, but it was slowly, it was gradual. So they went on living. And then they had children and grandchildren. And those children went on living, but they were sinners that deserved only death and hell in the eyes of God. In fact, we can see what they deserved when we see what happened when angels sinned. In 2 Peter 2, 4, God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to pits of nether gloom to be kept until the judgment. Why didn't God do that with human beings? Why did he allow them to live and enjoy blessings of life and some of the riches of the earth, even though they had sinned? Well, Adam and Eve didn't die at once. And billions today do not die and go to hell as soon as they sin, but continue to live and enjoy countless blessings in this world. And the question is, how can that be fair? They don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. But we've been forgiven by Christ. But what about unbelievers? They don't deserve any blessings. They deserve hell. So the question is, how can God continue to give blessings to sinners who deserve only death, especially for those millions who will never be saved? The answer is that God bestows common grace. Common grace is the grace by which God gives people innumerable blessings that are not part of salvation. So we can distinguish between common grace and saving grace. God's grace manifests itself in two different ways. Common grace is different from saving grace in its results. It doesn't bring salvation. It's recipients. It's given to believers and unbelievers. And it's source. It's not directly flowing from Christ's atoning work. Why do we call it common grace? It's because it's what God gives to all people commonly, generally. Unbelievers in your neighborhood who don't trust in Jesus for forgiveness of sins, are still 
liable before God for their own sins. Why does God continue to give them blessings? It's common grace. It's grace that he gives to all people generally, and we want to talk about that in more detail today. In fact, I think we could say that... We're looking for more outlines still? Okay. Does anybody need an outline now? Hold up your hand. Okay. Here's a, here's a quick way to, to, uh, to think about common grace. If you walk down Scottsdale Road, you see businesses and cars and people and schools and parks and trees. And If you walk down Scottsdale Road, everything that looks different from the fires of hell is a result of common grace. See, the fires of hell is what is what the world deserves. But God hasn't judged it all yet. So common grace manifests itself in all sorts of ways. So here are some examples. In the physical realm, for instance, Jesus says, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, Matthew 5, to 45, that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. There's blessing. People don't deserve the warmth of sunshine or the crop-producing rains, but they're given common grace. Or uh, Paul, when he's speaking in a Gentile city in Acts 14, and speaking to Gentiles, not Jews, he says, in your generations he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways, yet he didn't leave himself without witness, for he did good and gave you from heaven rains and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. So God is blessing these unbelieving Gentiles. Paul said, even before I came to you, God gave you uh, rain, fruitful seasons, food in the grocery store, apples and oranges and bananas. I don't know what kind of fruit they had at that time in those grocery stores, but um, and, uh, and beans and um, potatoes. And I don't, now I'm probably you're going to tell me they didn't get potatoes. I don't know what vegetables they had, but they had vegetables, lettuce maybe, cabbage. I don't know. Um, but uh, onions, um, and milk, and cheese, and uh, all the... all the ble- Paul's saying, these are examples of God's kindness to you. They're witnessing to you because God gave you things you didn't deserve. In the physical realm, the Old Testament uh, speaks of the grace of God that comes to believers and unbelievers. Uh, for instance... Uh, Joseph was taken as a slave away from uh, his family and, and sold into slavery in Egypt. And it says in Genesis 39.5, The Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was upon all he had in house and field. Um, why? Because one of God's people was there. And God radiated blessings to Potiphar and his household because there was a believer there. I wonder how much that happens today in our companies, in our extended family, among our relatives, among our neighbors. Um, I wonder if there isn't some... Why? Because believers are... Because you're praying for them, perhaps. Or because God's giving... Just spreading witness uh, through you. Psalm 145, The Lord is good to all. His compassion is over all that he has made. The eyes of all look to you. Give them their food in their due season. Of all, God gives them food. And so... Um, just the fact that unbelievers go on breathing 
and living and maintaining a reasonable amount of health. That's common grace. That's God's giving them kindness and blessing. And uh, that is in the physical realm. The beauty of the natural world also shows God's common grace. Unbelievers can enjoy multicolored flowers, woodlands, mountains, ocean shores. The beauty of the world as it is, it's not all experiencing judgment yet, is a result of God's common grace. And what I'm going to say again and again at each point here, that gives us permission and encouragement to be thankful. To be thankful for um, the goodness that comes in our grocery stores. I just, just, Mark and I bashed this two nights ago, and I just, I glanced over at that incredible row of produce, all the multicolored uh, vegetables and fruits, and, and just thought, Lord, how good you are to give us all those things. And uh, uh, so in the physical realm, there are evidences of common grace. In the intellectual realm, all people, not just believers, but all people have some grasp of truth, along with intelligence and understanding. John 1.9 talks about the true light that enlightens every man that was coming into the world, and that was Jesus himself. And so, um, you know, in, in scientific discoveries and inventions, many, many unbelievers can invent things and discover things, whether it be cures for disease or uh, uh, whatever I've seen now, a car that drives itself just in the last few days. And, um, of course, all the computer and information technology that we have. Um, in the intellectual realm, or in investigating history, or in investigating um, uh, uh, medicine and the way that the human body works. This isn't just believers that are discovering these things. By common grace, oftentimes, God gives blessings to unbelievers in the intellectual realm. All science and technology carried out by non-Christians is a result of common grace. And then be uh, all people have some knowledge of God, Romans 1.21. Although they knew God, they didn't honor him as God or give thanks to him. I don't know if you, um, someone just gave me, Debbie just showed me uh, yesterday this survey that what is a huge number of people believe in God. They've got all sorts of messed up ideas of God, but well over 90%, I guess, of the people uh, in the United States and, in, and then in the world as a whole, they have some kind of belief in God. They don't honor him. They have distorted ideas. But just the fact that they have an awareness of him that opens a platform for witness, that's a result of common grace. And then what about in the moral realm? Are non-believers as evil as they could be? Not, no, not most of them aren't. Anyway. <laughs> Some may be, but not too many. God restrains moral evil because he gives them a conscience, and people are not as evil as they could be. Romans 2, 14 to 15 Gentiles who don't have God's written law, they show that what the law requires is written on their hearts. I think that's conscience, a sense of right and wrong that God gives people. While their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or perhaps excuse them. So what happens, by and large, although there are exceptions, because people can have hardened consciences and they can talk themselves into really foolish ideas, but by and large, non-Christians... They might tell lies, but they feel a, a twinge of conscience. They think it's wrong. And they definitely don't like other people to lie to them. They think that's really wrong. And they may themselves steal, but then they know it's wrong. They've got a guilty conscience, and God is giving them a little witness there. So they're, and, and that conscience restrains them, so they don't, they don't steal as much as they could, or they, don't, they aren't as mean or cruel as they could be. There's, there's common grace by which people give, well, by which God gives people a sense of, Moral right and wrong. Not perfect, 
but it's, it's evidence of his law in general written on their heart. People will frequently approve of biblical moral standards and can even in some sense do good. Luke 6.33, if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. That is, they do good to those who do good to them. Um, so you get these kind of little sayings in the world. People who don't know much about the Bible or God, they, they talk about, um, uh, you know, um, let's see, there's a little, um, uh, yeah, God helps those who help themselves. Okay, or, or, or do to other people what you want them to do to you, or um, uh, will it be beneficial to all concerned? Or, I know there's one, honesty is the best policy. I mean, you, people can just say, well, I've got a sense that that's right. See, there's common grace working in their minds. Uh, um, and, oh, what goes around comes around. Well, there's something of that. You're kind to others, and they're kind to you. You're mean to others, and <clears throat> watch out. So that um, the, the people just kind of have a moral sense that it's not perfect. It may not be exactly biblical morals, but we should be thankful for it because it could be a lot worse. Compare the moral sense of right and wrong that your non-Christian friends have with the moral sense of right and wrong that demons have. No comparison, right? Because demons are only always evil. So, so there's some common grace there. See, God gives also warnings of final judgment in the operation of the natural world. That is, if people give themselves over to sin more and more, they're going to see harmful results in their lives. And Paul talks about that in Romans 1. If, if someone gives himself over to drunkenness all the time, pretty soon he's going to see deterioration in his physical body, right? Uh, if someone uh, uh, breaks the speed limit all the time, pretty soon he's, he's going to get arrested There's, in the working of the natural world. Um, uh, someone who steals is probably going to get found out. Um, someone who tells lies all the time eventually isn't going to be trusted. And the world works in such a way, so there are hints of final judgment. You do wrong, there are consequences. Very often. Not always. It looks like people get away with it for a time. But over the course of life, when people continue to do evil, they, they pay a price in the end. On the other hand, non-Christians who live honest lives, lives of integrity, seeking to do good for others, seeking to help the world, seeking to work and be productive their lives will, in general, turn out better because, because God has set up the world in such a way that the way it works gives some hint of God's final standards of judgment. And that's common grace in the moral realm. Okay. Um, do you want to talk about any, want to interact on any, either of those before I go on to another one? Is that making sense? Okay. In the creative realm... God allows people significant measures of skill and an ability to appreciate beauty in multiple areas of life. So, um, a, um, a, a, a beautiful orchestra. Um, are all of those players Christians? No, no. But God's given them a sense of beauty. Or uh, people who create beauty in the artistic world. Or in literature. Or... Um, Another creative realm is um, home decorating or hmm? or ballet, says Anne. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, not all the good ballet dancers in the world or choreographers are Christians. No, <laughs> a lot of them are. But, but they can have skill and create beauty 
um, just because uh, God allows them to do that. Think again, contrast how that would be with uh, what demons would create. It would be just all ugliness. You see, because there's no trace of goodness or appreciation of goodness left in them. Creative realm. In the societal realm, there are evidences of common grace. In the human family, Adam and Eve remained married and bore children after the fall. And, you know, do you see these studies of the, the people who are the happiest are people who have long-term monogamous committed relationships? Why? Well, because God set up the world to work that way. And non-Christians can have committed relationships, can have reasonably good marriages and raise their children. The human family continues. And so uh, Adam and Eve continued to, now, to bear children after the fall. Adam had uh, uh, other sons and daughters continued to live. Human government. Human government is another um, a, a wonderful example of common grace. I expect within five miles of this church building, there are people who are really dishonest and greedy and who would want to come in here and um, hold us all at gunpoint and take all our wallets. They'd be, they'd, they'd be robbers. And there are maybe other people who just hate Christians and they'd love to come in and do us harm in some other way. But they don't. Why? Well, because there's a Scottsdale Police Department. And it's reasonably efficient. And there's a judicial system that punishes wrongdoing. And that deterrence keeps us feeling safe. There are people out uh, here in Scottsdale who probably, probably if they could just follow their instincts, they just love to get drunk and go out driving down the 101 and bang into everybody that, you know, and, and cause all sorts of, of uh, auto accidents. But they don't. Why? Because there are severe penalties for drunk driving. So government keeps us safe, and it's a blessing that comes to believers and non-believers alike. It, it, in general, is a good thing. Paul says in Romans 13:1, there's no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. And so although sin, sinful human beings can abuse government and misuse it uh, and use it for evil, and when evil rulers come into power, then it becomes very, very, can become very harmful. But God uses government as a primary means to restrain evil in the world. That's a result of common grace. We can be thankful for that. Say, thank you, Lord, for government. Thank you, Lord, that I can drive safely down Shea or down Scottsdale Road. Um, common grace. It is, you know, I don't know if you've ever reflected on this, especially if you drive down a two-lane highway and people are going 55 miles an hour both ways, just like this far apart from each other, and thousands of people do it every day and they don't crash. I think it's pretty phenomenal. I'm, and I don't know who all these other people are, if they are good at driving or not, but somehow they stay in their lane and 100 million passenger miles without a fatality in the United States on average or something like that. That's common grace, isn't it? Thankful for it. Okay, then there are other organizations, such as educational institutions. Arizona State University is not set up to hire only Christians or teach only Christians. It's, it's uh, just completely secular, or just about entirely. Uh, but people do learn things at ASU. I went to a couple classes there about three years ago, and they were good classes. Why? There's common grace going on. Uh, and, and schools, voluntary um, organizations um, just for uh, caring for the needy. And uh, uh, businesses certainly do much good for people. They provide jobs and goods for us to use. Um, and ordinary human friendships um, between non-Christians or Christians and non-Christians all express 
the common grace of God. This is this is different from hell. This is a friendship. <laughs> this is this is good. Are you are you are you tracking with me? Isn't it amazing how many things that there are bless, undeserved blessings in the world that that we are thankful for? I see Barry here. Economies that function well, especially those that have low tax rates and and small government regulation. Good. Common grace. What about the religious realm? Is there any religious benefit to that comes to non-Christians? Well, Matthew 5:44, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Well, when when you as a believer pray for a non-Christian, I don't know, just for a family situation, for sickness, for um, some other concern. Well, God hears your prayers sometimes, and there's there's a blessing from God hearing your prayers for non-Christians. And I think also God sometimes hears the prayers of unbelievers, though he's not obliged to do so. Though it's a hard verse, I think that's the meaning of 1 Timothy 4.10, talking about God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. I think Savior doesn't mean saving from sin in that verse, but rather one who rescues from distress or delivers. And you know, there are people who uh, are, it's the idea of people in a foxhole in, in battle and they pray to God and God answers them. Or sometimes, uh, you know, they're, they're out, they're, they're lost in a snowstorm or something. They pray and God hears their prayer. I think that God does hear those prayers from time to time as an example of his goodness. He doesn't, he isn't obligated to hear them as he is, as he promises. And he doesn't promise to hear them as he does with believers. But I think there's some answers to prayer in that way. And then the proclamation of the gospel to those who don't uh, ultimately believe is a declaration of the mercy and grace of God. Why does God proclaim the gospel? It's to show that that his greatest, uh, that the thing that he delights in is that people come to know Christ and trust in him for salvation. And Ezekiel 33:11, as I live, says the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. So um, we see that as God is offering through the Bible, through the message of the gospel, salvation through Christ, it's an evidence of his, his goodness uh, to common grace, uh, through common grace to unbelievers. Okay. Um, stop again. Comments on that? Is that, 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 that well, we've just talked about the last 15 minutes or so. That explains a whole lot of the world, what's going on in the world right now. There is sin, there is evil, there are preliminary judgments where evil brings negative consequences, but many times there's blessing by God's grace. And we can be thankful for all those things. Okay? So, now, okay, common grace and special grace influence each other. The church benefits from common grace in countless ways in everyday activities. Help me now, tell me. How are we right now this morning benefiting from common grace that God gives to unbelievers right now at this minute. Yeah. All right. There's Through government, there's, there's a tax benefit. Churches don't have to pay taxes on this property. Good. Okay. What else? The company that made their projector that puts... Okay. I don't think... no. No reason to think there's all Christians working for that company. It's just common grace. We're thankful. What else? Yeah, Edie. Healthcare system. Yeah, it's it's not all believers working in it, but it's it's there. So we're thankful for that. What about this morning in this room? How are we benefiting from common grace? Yeah. The lights are on. No, that's the first thing I thought of. The lights are on. <laughs> Somebody's keeping them running. I don't think it's all Christians. It's just God has set up the world to work in such a way that non-Christians working 
Help us. The electricity works. The light bulbs work. Okay, good. What else? We've got freedom to assemble, a great right for churches to have, and the government protects that for us. Good, yeah. Good, and contrast with that Morocco situation that Pat just talked about. Okay. Well, okay. So we benefit from common grace in countless ways in everyday activity. Building these buildings out here, a lot of materials made by who knows who made them. Not all believers, but God's common grace kept the world working. We benefit. Historically, unbelievers benefit from the examples of Christian lives and the influence of Christian social and political activities. So <clears throat> it was um, Christians who were very active in agitating for the abolition of slavery, which benefited the society as a whole. Um, many Christians who um, uh, thought that it was important to have children be able to read the Bible, so literacy in Northern Europe and England and the United States, for both boys and girls, both men and women, literacy came about in large measure because of Christian influence on society. Many other good things uh, from the influence of Christian social and political activities. And you know, we see the deterioration of, well, we see, we see, yeah, we see the deterioration of society in, um, in Europe, where there's so little Christian influence left. And uh, I think we can see the difference, where there's a strong Christian component in the society influencing the laws of government. There's a restraining and positive force. Okay. But having said all this, common grace does not save people. Common grace doesn't change the human heart in any significant measure, or bring people to genuine repentance and faith. And so even though I can be thankful for the achievements of non-Christians in all sorts of life, I still have to realize that um, this doesn't mean that they're saved. It means that God has temporarily given some blessings as evidence of his goodness. But I still believe what the Bible says about judgment and the need to trust in Christ. The actions of unbelievers cannot ever merit God's approval or favor. In fact, Romans 14.23, whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. And so uh, all the unbelievers' goodness to others and family and neighbors and business associates, that ultimately is motivated by self. It's, it's going to benefit me in the end. Um, it'll make me happy to be good to other people or what goes around comes around or whatever. It's not out of faith in God and a, and a genuine trust in him. And the amount of common grace a person receives doesn't mean greater or lesser favor from God. I don't know if you've seen these lists of the 400 wealthiest people in the world. A couple of years ago, I got uh, one of the, I think it's Forbes magazine or something, and, uh, and started page through it. Very few of them are known as believers anyway, and there are many unhappy lives, right? Or, or look, at, look at the lives of others who have, achieved, who have achieved great fame in the world in, in Hollywood, for instance. How many happy lives are there and fulfilled lives? Very, very few. Mm -hmm. um, so someone can, can have incredible amount of common grace 
to be smart and invent things, to run a business and make tons of money, or to achieve fame, um, or to get a Nobel Prize, but that doesn't mean the person is right with God or is happy. And in fact, um, when Paul in 1 Corinthians talks about the Corinthians, it's, it's almost as if the people who um, are, are less um, gifted in the world uh, are more likely to become believers. The word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are, believe, who are being saved, it's the power of God. And then Paul says, has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? And then he says, consider your calling, brothers, 1 Corinthians 1, 26. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you won a Nobel Prize or got PhDs, maybe. Not many were powerful. Not had great government positions or something like that or big businesses. Not many were of noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus. And I wonder sometimes if immense amounts of common grace, leading people to be very successful, uh, often goes hand-in-hand hand with not seeing their need for God and um, the gospel uh, and being resistant to the gospel. So why does God give common grace? Why? Why did he do this at all? Why didn't he just do what he did with the angels and condemn all people to hell? Just hold on, I'll come back to questions in just a minute or two. First, he gives common grace so that he will redeem those who will be saved. Um, how many of you became believers in Jesus Christ before age one? <laughs> you needed to go on for a while, right? Living in the world, and sometimes people went on, go on five years, ten years, fifteen If God's going to just destroy all sinners from the world, nobody's going to be saved. If he destroys sinners instantly the first time they sin, people aren't going to get very old before they're destroyed. So in order to redeem those who will be saved, God has to withhold judgment for a time. And people say, why doesn't God destroy all evil in the world? Why does he allow this evil to continue? And my answer is, he's giving time for people to be saved. Because he's going to come one day and destroy all the evil in the world, but then, but then that opportunity for salvation for many will, will be ended. And so uh, 2 Peter 3, 9-10, The Lord is not slow about his promises, some count slowness, but is forbearing to you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. That's number one. And number two, God delights in showing his goodness and mercy even to non-believers who don't deserve his goodness and mercy. So one, Psalm 145, 9, the Lord is good to all and his compassion is over all that he has made. Um, in delaying final punishment, God shows that he has no direct pleasure in executing judgment, though he will do it, though he knows it's wise, though ultimately it will advance his glory and be consistent with his justice. Yet he delights in the salvation of sinners. And he desires all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And then common grace demonstrates God's justice because people went on sinning and sinning and sinning in spite of these blessings from God. So Paul says in Romans 2, 5, by your heart and impenitent heart, you're storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. And so... Uh, God's given many blessings, and, he, and, and he, people can't say, 
well, I didn't see any of your goodness, God. I didn't have any reason to trust in you. Oh, wait a minute. Did you go to the grocery store? You saw all sorts of reasons to trust in God, all sorts of evidence of goodness, as Paul said in Acts 14. Fourth, uh, to demonstrate God's glory, because in demonstrating and exercising dominion over the earth, men and women demonstrate and reflect the wisdom of their creator. Inventors who invent wonderful machines for us or cures for disease or computers or whatever reflect something of the knowledge and wisdom of God. Um, and, uh, and in that way, um, we can be thankful for how he has created them. Okay? You with me still? Let's see if we can get to the end here. Our response to the common doctrine of common grace, number one, it doesn't mean that those who receive it will be saved because Paul can say, any, I don't have the verse there, it's in Ephesians 1 or 2. You were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And that means even the most wise, kind, wealthy, powerful people in the world still need Jesus Christ. They're still children of wrath. They're still enemies of God, no matter how much common grace they've received and how much externally they live according to, apparently, to God's moral standards. Number two, we must be careful <clears throat> not to reject the good things that unbelievers do as totally evil. Well, you're a non-Christian. I'm not going to let you fix my car. <laughs> we, don't, we can just be thankful for common grace, all right? And, uh, and, um, and, uh, and thank God for it. And it should stir our hearts to much greater thankfulness to God. Okay, so it doesn't mean that people are saved, but it does mean that we can be thankful. Okay, now, I haven't gotten much interaction from you. We've got a couple minutes. We have four or five minutes left just to talk. About, what do you think about this idea of common grace? Yeah, Susie. I'm so thankful for this doctrine. It has given us um, here we go. I'm so thankful for this doctrine. It has given us so much freedom in our family's life for a number of reasons. I think it guards against condescension towards mm -hmm. people who aren't yeah. believers yeah. and arrogance. And I think it really underpins the ability to love your neighbors, oh, truly. Yeah. Because we feel this freedom with our neighbors and colleagues to see their creativity, their diligence, their gifts, and to genuinely be thankful. Good. And they can see that. And that helps Good. build our friendship and gives opportunity to share the gospel. Yep. So we're so grateful for it. Good, good. Oh, Susie, I, I like all of what you said. I just One part of what you said really struck a chord with me. It, um, it had to do with when we see God giving crops and rain and sunshine and everything, he's good to people who aren't going to believe in him. So should we do good to people who might not even ever come to trust in Christ? Yes. We're following God's example. So we can do good to all people, but especially those of the household of faith. But... Um, that doesn't mean that the only reason we do good for people is so they'll become believers. It means that we're imitating God's goodness. That frees us up a lot. Do you like that? We do. Oh, we feel no, so no, everybody's free. with me. Good. All right. We feel so free to really genuinely love them. Yes. Because we can see God's common grace. We yep. can actually be thankful for yep. them because of yep. God. Good. 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 Okay. What else? Over here. Brian. Good morning. Um, I was just kind of curious, the Arminian viewpoint of common versus saving grace. Ah. I don't, I'm inclined to think that they don't see it as two different branches or kinds of grace, but that ah. God just simply is bestowing grace on everybody, hoping they would all come to him. I, well, actually, I think probably an Arminian would agree with everything I said and, and say you left out the frosting on the cake, Wayne. You left out a really important point, and that is by common grace, God also gives everybody ever born the ability to believe, and then it's up to them. 
So um, good, good point, and I need to point that out because that's a, that's a very common view in the Christian world too. It's not one that I hold. So yeah, good. Okay. What else over here? Yeah, way in back. Can you say your name, please? Uh, my name is Joyce, and yeah, uh, one of the verses that keeps coming to my mind is in Romans, and it says, the goodness of God worketh repentance. Yes, in Romans 2. So this is really good, Joyce. When, when, when God gives all this goodness, it's, the purpose is to bring people to repentance, saying, I don't deserve this, God. Please forgive me for my sins. Good, good, okay. Any other thoughts on this? I don't know, this, this is kind of a fun doctrine for me to talk about. I, I think it's freeing. What else? Anything else? Way in back. Oh, right here. Uh, can I ask a question? I don't get to come to this church very often. I'm always on mosaic, so this is so much fun to be here today. <laughs> but Wayne, this is my question to you is, you know, sometimes when people think of Scottsdale Bible Church, they think of a church with a long wind of, wing of truth, but a little bit shorter, stubbier wing of grace. And this kind of a lesson really helps us. But my question to you is, is, is it a proper analogy to say we want a long wing of truth and a long wing of grace so sure. that they're balanced, or, or that we want a fusion and truth and grace are all wrapped into one idea? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I, Barry, I, I'm not going to disagree with you on anything you say. Uh, I, I think you're getting at you. something, though. I mean, in general, I agree with you. But, but uh, are, tell me what application you, you're heading for. Well, this whole, this whole thing on common, it's just so wonderful to sit under this uh, teaching today on grace because it seems like if, if crit, uh, Christians get kind of knocked on anything, we, we're over, overly ah, judgmental ah. and overly critical, okay, and, okay. And, and we just don't show uh, uh, grace or common grace. Okay, good, good, good. That's really helpful. Um, after we thought about all this, it makes us inclined to be kinder and more gracious to non-Christians, doesn't it? Because we're following God's pattern. He doesn't bring judgment yet. So um, it, it extends. Now, that doesn't mean we compromise and say we think that wrong is right. But it does mean that there's a there's a large component of love and Kindness that infects what we're do what we're doing. Is that is that where you're going? Scottsdale Bible Church, if people had to say Scottsdale Bible Church, now those are people who walk in grace. And I, I just yeah. look at myself yeah. sometimes yeah. and it's it, it's not pretty. Yeah. <laughs> well Barry, I can't speak for the church as a whole, but this class is filled with grace. <laughs> We believe in grace, and we'll slap the stew out of anybody that doesn't. <laughs> Good. Oh, and you are a great example of it, Barry. You really are. Okay, one more over here, and then I think Joyce. I was just thinking of a kind of a funny little wisdom of the world that is the opposite of this thought, and that is when something bad happens... The world says, "Well, what did I do to deserve this?" Uh -huh. And it's the opposite of the mm -hmm. truth, mm -hmm. because we, if we, we don't want what we deserve, any of us. <laughs> yeah, what did I do to deserve this? Well, how about everything? <laughs> Sorry, that wasn't too gracious, but. <laughs> yeah, the real question is, how did I get any blessing at all? 
Yeah, good, good. Okay, ah, yes. Okay, yep. If we withhold the truth, that's not grace either, is it? So we've got to tell the truth and uphold right now. But you know what? There's a timing thing, isn't there? When we have a family member, a relative, a co-worker or something, and we see them persisting in a pattern of sin, then, then somebody says, well, how do I know when to say something and when not? The only answer that I know is true in every situation is pray for God to guide you as to when to speak and when to be silent. Yeah, because there will be a time to speak as well. Um, yeah, yep, and I've had it. Yep, I've, um, I can remember now, and I can think in my mind of a situation where there, there was a friendship where it wasn't right to say anything, but then there was a time when it was right to say something because it looked like there was, uh, like God was leading in that way. Okay, good. All right, thank you so much. Oh, we got one more. Um, Beth. Wait. Oh, oh, got Anne and Beth. Oh. <clears throat> I was just going to say that, uh, you know, I've worked for over uh, 16 years for a Jewish synagogue. Oh. And uh, a lot of people would say to me, well, don't you try to convert them or, you know, don't you? And, you know, I really believe that that God loves the Jewish people so much mm. that I've never tried to ever force upon them, you know, my beliefs mm -hmm. probably would have lost my job if I did, mm -hmm. but I believe that God gives us his grace to reflect to other people. And it, it's always been my feeling that in my work and the way I deal <clears throat> with, the, with the Jewish people, I was reflecting God's grace. I think you do. I think and you do, yeah. that it... it it was never to try and convert them, but to show them that I love them as God would love yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. And I think that God calls us to do that with people who are not of our faith, mm -hmm. who are not believers, that we don't have to beat them over the head mm -hmm. sometimes. We have to show them amazing mm -hmm. grace and, and love. And yet there will come times, especially when there's a crisis in a family, when some, when then someone will, will say, "Can you talk to me about knowing God or something?" Yeah. That's happened. Yeah, good. Beth, I'm, I've got to watch the time. It's just real short. Okay. It adds to Pammy and her comment. I think she had a point. Truth in love is mm -hmm. grace. Yes, it is. Okay, good. Glad we said that because the attitude, the, the attitude we have, people will be known. I hate to do this. I hate to skip doing a hymn. But I'm at 10.57. I'm two minutes past when we should get out, and I think I'd better honor that. We sing a hymn next week. See you next week. <laughs>